September 12th. And as we turn to the New Testament reading, we'll be looking into the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 11 through 21. We'll read about permission, just as God permitted Satan to test Job and Peter. Now, he permitted Satan to attack Paul as well. God wanted to keep Paul humble after his exciting visit to heaven. In the loving will of God, suffering has a purpose that can be fulfilled in no other way. Accept it, and it will become a heavenly blessing. Fight it, and it will become a heavy burden. We'll read about prayer. Like our Lord in Gethsemane, Paul prayed three times for God to deliver him. But the Lord did not answer that prayer as Paul wanted. However, God did meet the need and gave his servant the grace he required. Paul did not simply make the best of it. He made the most of it. And grace can do that for you. And then there is perplexity. Paul was concerned more about the sins of the saints than about his own physical problems. Like a loving father, he wanted to go to Corinth and enjoy his dear children. But they were forcing him to discipline them. Yet even discipline is an evidence of love. And with that, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. September 12th, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 11 through 21. You Corinthians have made me, Paul, act like a fool, boasting like this. You ought to be writing commendations for me, for I am not at all inferior to these super-apostles, even though I am nothing at all. When I was with you, I certainly gave you every proof that I am truly an apostle, sent to you by God Himself. For I patiently did many signs and wonders and miracles among you. The only thing I didn't do, which I do in other churches, was to become a burden to you, Please forgive me for this wrong. Now I am coming to you for the third time, and I will not be a burden to you. I don't want what you have. I want you. And anyway, little children don't pay for their parents' food. It's the other way around. Parents supply food for their children. I will gladly spend myself and all I have for your spiritual good even though it seems that the more I love you, the less you love me. Some of you admit I was not a burden to you, but they still think I was sneaky and took advantage of you by trickery. But how did any of the men I sent to you take advantage of you? When I urged Titus to visit you and sent our brother with him, did Titus take advantage of you? No, of course not. For we both have the same spirit and walk in each other's steps, doing things the same way. Perhaps you think we are saying all this just to defend ourselves. That isn't it at all. We tell you this as Christ's servants, and we know that God is listening. Everything we do, dear friends, is for your benefit. For I am afraid that when I come to visit you, I won't like what I find, and then you won't like my response. I am afraid that I will find quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfishness, backstabbing, gossip, conceit, and disorderly behavior. Yes, I am afraid that when I come, God will humble me again because of you, 
and I will have to grieve because many of you who sinned earlier have not repented of your impurity, sexual immorality, and eagerness for lustful pleasure. Jesus tells a story in Matthew chapter 12 that explains for us what happens to a people who remain non-believing and instead of them being filled with faith in obedience to God according to His Word, they try to fill their hearts with anything less than God. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places, seeking rest, and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it also be with this wicked generation. Jesus is telling us of the importance of us being filled in our hearts with God's Word continually so that sin and unbelief finds no place to live within us. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, Be filled with the Spirit. The Christian is never to be empty, but we must remain filled with God. And for the Christian, it is only the living water signifying the abiding presence of Christ that will keep us full and satisfied. When we become careless, lazy, and indifferent to the things of God, and are no longer kept by continual prayer, faith, and watchfulness, But we become like an idle person, amused with the vanities of a dying world. Then our hearts are no longer a resting place for the Lord Most High. Soon we find ourselves without love, without humbleness, and without all the fruits of the Spirit. But when the Christian believer is continually being filled with the Holy Spirit of God, all emptiness is gone. And there's no room for devilish influences. They are at peace with the Lord, and His assurance fills their soul. There is joy in this person because Jesus Christ rules their whole house. Every spirit's influences find no room in this house to come back to dwell. Because He who is in you is greater than He who is in the world. God is in every born-again Christian. And therefore the victory is already theirs. Although we still have to struggle, we only have to claim the victory that is ours through Christ's strength. Every true Christian has already made their choice between light and darkness, love and hate, good and evil, God and the devil, and they have become victorious through faith in their Savior's blood. It is Christ who alone is greater than Satan, every demon, and every seducing spirit. Christian, he who is in you is greater. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Always remember, our victor has already won the battle for us. 
All we need to do is remain in him. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Put your faith and trust in Christ today, and never look back, and don't stop for anything. Psalm 56, verses 1 through 13. David prayed this prayer while he was in danger in enemy country. After God delivered him, he wrote Psalm 34 as an expression of praise. When you're in the midst of trouble, remember these truths about God. One truth is God sees where you are. He has not lost track of you. David should not have been in Gath to begin with. But the Lord was gracious to go with him and help him. God understands your situation far better than you do. And God knows how you feel. He not only knows your tears, but He records them and retains them. Why? So that one day He may transform them into gems of glory and joy. No tears are ever wasted when you follow Him. And God hears when you call. Terrors and tears must be handled with trust. But be sure your motive is not just deliverance. He delivers us that we might delight in Him and serve Him. The highest purpose of prayer is the glory of God. Psalm 56, verses 1 through 13. For the choir director, a psalm of David, regarding the time the Philistines seized him in Gath, to be sung to the tune, Dove on Distant Oaks. O God, have mercy on me. The enemy troops press in on me. My foes attack me all day long. My slanderers hound me constantly, and many are boldly attacking me. But when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. O God, I praise your word. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? They're always twisting what I say. They spend their days plotting ways to harm me. They come together to spy on me, watching my every step, eager to kill me. Don't let them get away with their wickedness. In your anger, O God, throw them to the ground. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. On the very day I call to you for help, my enemies will retreat. This I know. God is on my side. O oh God, I praise your word. Yes, Lord, I praise your word. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? I will fulfill my vows to you, O oh God, and offer a sacrifice of thanks for your help. For you have rescued me from death. You have kept my feet from slipping. So now I can walk in your presence, O God, in your life-giving light. Proverbs 23, verses 6 through 8. Don't eat with people who are stingy. Don't desire their delicacies. Eat and drink, they say, but they don't mean it. They're always thinking about how much it costs. You will vomit up the delicious food they serve. 
and you will have to take back your words of appreciation for their kindness.